Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so you may be so you may approve what is excellent. And, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, I, I think you know, one of the things that just keeps popping out to me in this letter, and it's the one thing I want to pray for for New City Church today, is that it seems that no matter what Paul was going through, his joy was, was present because the church was caring for him. And it's, it's really easy to, to feel alone in your suffering, to feel isolated in your pain. It would be, I think, easy for the Apostle Paul to feel like just alone in his imprisonment. And yet the church just loved him just loved him, and he loved them back with, the, with your affection, Lord Jesus, with your love. I do, I do hope that for New City Church. Father, I, pr I pray for this church that you would help us to be so loving towards one another. That when one of us is going through something challenging, that we're here for each other, that we love each other, and that even in suffering, we would have joy because you're present in our love for one another. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us in your suffering. Uh, it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here's the main idea for the whole series. Relentless joy is a product of the gospel, even in suffering. Relentless joy is a product of the gospel, even in suffering. Listen to what Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what's going on, rejoice. And so I, you know, I've been feeling a little down lately, I'd be honest with you, just kind of getting like a little low grade, kind of just feeling a little bit down. And so a buddy of mine, uh, his name is Chad, he's got like this fantastic kind of attitude about life, and he's going through physical suffering in his life right now. Uh, he's actually writing a book called Put Joy on the Calendar, and I can't wait to buy it and bring it here and preach through it uh, with you guys. But, you know, Chad and I were talking about it. We went to go play golf together not too long ago, and he brought this little plastic snake and it, it scared the lights out of me and I laughed so hard. We were playing golf and he hit it in the bushes and, and, th and there it was. It just freaked me out and so the best thing that I've done for my joy lately is I bought this little plastic snake and I've got it in my bag and I've been inviting pastors to play golf with me and I've been hiding it and I've been discovering every pastor in the city's favorite 
curse word. And it's just been fantastic. And I got videos of them, and I'm saving them because one day I'm going to need to raise money for something. And I got, you know, I got a little, got a little inside. I've just been trying to find ways to rejoice in all things, man. And, and uh, so, yeah, I just want, to, I, want you to, I want you to be challenged here, okay? That if you're going through something challenging, that there, is, there is reason to rejoice, always reason to rejoice. You know, Paul wrote Philippians about 10 years after founding the church. He founded the church about uh, 51 or 52 A.D. Uh, and guess what? New City is about 11 years old. I mean, it's really interesting for me to read this particular letter written to a church that's right around the same age that we are. Philippi was a patriotic city, had strong nationalistic identity. Uh, it, you can read about this in Acts 16. In fact, you should read Acts 16. It's a good setup to what happens in Philippi because all the sort of founding of the church happens in Acts 16. But you see that Philippi was a leading city, a Roman colony. They had, they had a real sense of their Roman identity. And yet Paul shows up and he sort of subtly drops in a distinction. He says, hey, there is a distinct way of living in you know, the kingdom. And our distinction as kingdom people ought to be identifiable to the world around us. And so you have this like really, you know, sort of strong patriotic city. You know, has their, their Roman identity. And then Paul shows up in Philippians. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, there's a kingdom way of living. And that kingdom way of living has, as a part of it, relentless joy. Like, relentless joy is a key identifier of Jesus' followers. Like, no matter what's going on, they just seem to be, like, able to rejoice. No matter how hard the challenge, it seems like there's joy to be found in different places. So I want to ask you a question. This is just a kind of a clarifying question for you, because you might be going, okay, like, uh, I, that sounds like a great thing to say in a sermon, but that's not my lived reality. Right? I'm going through suffering right now. There's not a whole lot of joy, and I, I hear you, but I'm not experiencing what you're talking about. Like, why do we trust Jesus to save our eternity, yet live in constant anxiety about how we must save our everyday lives? And sometimes we don't feel joy in the moment, even in our suffering in the moment, because we're like, oh yeah, Jesus, I trust you for my eternity. I trust you for saving my sins, but my right now, it's all my responsibility. Something happens to you when you begin to see that Jesus is in charge, not only of your eternity, but of your right now. And there's the ability to find joy in every moment when you see a sovereignty isn't just a future reality, but a present one in your life. If Jesus is enough to save you, he is enough to sustain you. And so I want to challenge you, man. If you're like in a place of like, life is mm, it's hard right now, right? It's not, it's not smooth, okay? Uh, I just want to challenge you to be thinking about, like, are you trusting Jesus with your every day? Your daily bread? See, Christian joy is a product or byproduct of faith in Jesus. Like when you begin to put your trust in Jesus, what begins to happen is you begin to experience even in the challenges of life, joy. Uh, listen to how he, he opens the letters. It's interesting. I mean, this, this is intentional. This is not just a, sort of random words that kind of open up the thing. He's just sort of, he's sort of painting the picture here. And so Paul and Timothy, servants of, and this is translators trying to soften the language here. It's really slaves of. Uh, these are people who have surrendered their, who have, whose rights have been surrendered over to another. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, I'm going to address you as a slave of Jesus, and I'm going to talk to you as saints in Jesus, and I want you to know that everything that's coming to you in terms of grace and peace is coming from God. Like there's a Jesus centrality in this very opening. He's like, hey man, everything is about Jesus. It all is about Jesus. 
And, and sometimes people like struggle, like, well, how do you define what discipleship is? Or how, what is a disciple? Well, a Jesus follower, a disciple, is someone who bows the knee to Jesus in every area of life with increasing measure. And so here's what I want you to just sort of think about. Uh, a Jesus follower is someone who bows the knee to Jesus in every area of life with increasing measure. And you should be able to see, if you are, uh, a, you know, if you are a disciple who is being discipled, you should see... Uh, a, a continual surrender of your finances, a continual surrender of your marriage, a continual surrender of your work to Jesus. That when you show up to work on Monday, you show up to work having surrendered that day to Jesus. Like it's your will, not mine, that should be done. What do you want me to do? How should I speak in this meeting? To whom should I speak to and how should I speak to them? All those things are led by Jesus. And when you go into the marriage, it's like loving one another as Christ has loved you. And it's all in submission to Jesus. When it comes to managing your finances, it's like hey, everything here is in submission to Jesus. And he has reign and rule over it. And you should be able to see that with increasing measure. And one of the things that's been a challenge to me lately, and I, I was just mentioning this to a friend recently, I was like, you know what, I, 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 I so, so love the grace of God. I so love the grace of God. Man, I want everybody to know here that, 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 that nobody comes to Jesus by being perfect, and nobody comes to Jesus because they've measured up. Everybody comes to Jesus going, I can't do it on my own. Jesus, do for me what I can't do, for, for what I can't do on my own. We all come to Jesus that way. But, but grace comes with a calling. Grace comes with a calling. And I just kept reading it over, Paul and Timothy, slaves to Jesus. It reminded me of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's work, The Cost of Discipleship. In The Cost of Discipleship, we cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it it gives a man the only true life. It is cost because it condemns sin. It is grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. You were bought with a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. It's costly grace. It's the kind of grace that calls you to be a slave of Jesus. And the joy that you need in life, the joy that you can experience even in suffering, comes from being a slave to Jesus. You know, the four questions we ask here all the time at New City Church are important for us because they're formational for how we see the mission God's called us to. The four questions are, who is God? What has he done? And a lot of what he's done, who am I? And a lot of who I am, how do I live? And so when you walk through those four questions, you get, you get a sense of mission. You get a, a sense of how I should be living, how we should be living together collectively. And when you look at who is God, God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. What has God the Father done? God the Father has adopted us. God the Son has purchased us. God the Spirit has sent us out on mission. What does that make me? That makes me a child. It also makes me a slave. And it makes me a missionary. 
makes me a child of the Father, a slave to Jesus who purchased me, a missionary with the Spirit who has sent me. And at New City, we say that we, we our identity, like our, our purpose, our, our doing, our mission, the thing we're about is following Jesus in communities on mission. Like just bowing the knee to Jesus in every area of your life with increasing measure in the context of Christian community and living that out on mission. To say it really simply, we just really believe that Jesus gets to write our story. Jesus gets to be the one who writes your story. And when Paul's writing this letter to Philippi, he's writing to a church that he was very specifically called to plant. When you read about it in Acts 16, it's, it's one of those stories to me as a, I feel like I'm a missionary having been sent by God from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I feel that way about me. And, and, and this, this passage, Acts 16, has been key and fundamental to me. Uh, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. This is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Having been for, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Isn't that a funny phrase? The Holy Spirit says, don't, don't speak the word here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, don't, don't, don't do it here. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And so here you got Paul, Silas, and Timothy wanting to go preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit goes, nope, mm, and, oh, and over here, nope, not there. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And this was a really interesting story where God said, nope, not over here, and nope, not over there, but the Holy Spirit said, this is where I want you to be. Let me just say it this way. Following Jesus may not get you where you want to go, but it will get you to where Jesus wants you to go. And when you have this sort of idea about you that everything is in submission to Jesus, I'm his slave, I follow Jesus, I submit the need of Jesus in every area of life with increasing measure, including where I live, including where I go, including what, who to whom God has called me. And so here you have the Apostle Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy submitting the need of Jesus and going, where do you want us to go? And the Spirit says, not here. The Spirit says, not over there, but over here. Man, I don't like hearing no, don't, do you? I mean, I just don't, li- I don't like it when God shuts doors. I want every door to be open, but, you know, by God's grace, He calls us to where we need to be if we're submissive to Him. And let me just give you a sense of this. If you're praying about something, a missional calling in your life, you're praying about, about your future, you're praying about where you should go and what you should do and what decisions you should, you should make, and, and you get frustrated when doors get shut here and doors get shut there, I just want you to know something. God sees what you cannot see, and God knows what you cannot know, so don't be troubled when He shuts a door. God sees what you cannot see, and God knows what you cannot know, and so don't be troubled when He shuts a door. If you're walking in submission to Him, you're bowing the knee to Him, you're praying to Him, you're seeking His counsel, you're seeking His wisdom, then don't, don't, be, don't be upset when He says no. Because He sees what you can't see and He knows what you can't know. Man, I, I never in my wildest dreams believed that God was going to call us to Albuquerque, New Mexico to plant church 11 years ago. You know, because we're in, a, we're in a transition moment, we're moving from here to a new facility, I've been doing some reminiscing. 
and about how God called us and about how this, <laughs> this Acts 16 passage was instrumental. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see a vision like of a, of a New Mexican, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But I did, you know, I did feel that the Lord was specifically directing us this direction. And, and I, I remember the very first Sunday we pulled, uh, the very first Sunday we had like a public worship service that wasn't in my house because we met in our house first. And we were about to move from our house to the Bosque School, and I pulled up the, my trailer to my house, and this was everything that New City owned at that particular time went inside that trailer. And I can remember unloading that trailer and setting up at the Bosque School in the Black Box Theater. That's where we had our very first Sunday gathering. In fact, it was really funny today. I should threw that f- photo up, and I think, so that, that's Jotham and Jared who were both on stage today, and I think, I think, uh, Jotham is wearing Jared's shirt uh, today, so when you look at it later, you'll be like, I think, did, did they just share the flop shirts? All right, so uh, they just share the closet, I guess, you know, whatever, it looks, looks, looks that way, but, but 11 years ago, that was, that was our setup, and so we, we moved from the Black Box Theater at Bosque School over to the library, and you can, you can see in this video just uh, what it was like for us. This is a video we produced for our one-year uh, anniversary, and when we were just sort of evaluating the call and how God had called us, and, and God had called us to plant this little, this, this church, this little library, and we got a group of people together to, to start setting up and tearing down, and we pull everything out of that trailer, and we drag it into the library, and you can see my little son Micah there hanging out, and Jotham was there, a part of that early day, and all those, uh, all those bins that get pulled out, we moved the tables out of the library, we'd set up the whole service, and we had about 50 chairs in that little room, and, and, uh, and just we're trying to reach anybody and everybody that we could, just feeling called by God. This is where he said, you know, go and do this, and, and, and pre- preach the gospel here, and pre- proclaim the gospel here and and every Sunday for about three to four years we we met right there in that little library at uh, at the Bosky school and it was just a fantastic place to meet and we had in that one year video clip we just had like all these testimonies of people sharing some things and sharing you know sort of stories and I had asked my son Micah he's 16 today but he was five back then I asked Micah hey what's your prayer Micah like what's your prayer for New City Church and at one year, at our, at, our, at our one year anniversary, this was Micah's prayer for New City Church. Listen to this. My f- I hope lots of people we will get here and get involved with Jesus and, and just know about Jesus and get, get to be with him in heaven. <laughs> I just want people to know Jesus. That's all I want is for people to know Jesus. They get to be with him in heaven forever. And that little five-year-old prayed that prayer. And I got to tell you, in, in, in the, the little uh, grassy area at Bosque School, we baptized so many people there and just so many people in that area. And I, I was really gripped this week. I was watching Shira's baptism, the very first baptism at New Sea Church. And, and we were just, uh, uh, just, I was just so excited to plant the church. And, you know, and I felt like God had called us to preach the gospel and, and to share the good news of Jesus with everybody we could. And, and I was really anxious. And when you're starting a new church, you just don't know, man, is anybody going to come? And are you going to reach people who are far from Jesus? And is it going to happen? And, and, uh, and I can remember when Shira came, she came one of our first Sundays. And she came to church and she met with me after service and she said uh, pastor nate i've been a friend of mine gave me a bible and i read it and i gave my life to jesus can you tell me what baptism is all about and i thought man this church playing thing is easy man this is so easy like this is what sharing the gospel of jesus is like that's fantastic and so she came to church and began to get really involved in the life of my church was ready to get baptized and she got in the baptistry it was our very first baptism at new city church and she's faithfully following jesus today in phoenix that's where 
where she and her family moved to. And I just remember that moment so clearly, so vividly, because I was just so excited because God sent us here to preach the good news about Jesus, how he lived a life that we could not live and how he died the death that we should have died, how he was buried in the grave and he rose again. He conquered our sin and death. And here was the very first person who had said yes to Jesus at New City Church saying, yes, I'm going to die to the old self and bury it away and rise to newness of life. And I was like, man, this being a slave of Jesus thing is pretty rad when you get to preach the gospel and you get to share it with people and they respond and their forever is changed, man. It's like fantastic. Like, I just can't get enough of it, man. And we just started like getting really excited about what God had in store for us. And then God said, you know what? I want you to go to Mission Ave Elementary School. And we passed out all these little cards that said no perfect people allowed because we wanted to make it clear that you didn't have to have it all together to attend New City Church. And we met at Mission Ave and in that little cafeteria, man, we set up every week inside that cafeteria, a little, little pipe and drape. And I, it just, we have some funny stories there, man. Just so, so many funny stories. I'll tell you one funny story. We were setting up on a Sunday and I was wearing some tight pants because I was trying to be cool and I hadn't lost weight yet. And I ripped the back of my pants, like clear open, but you're portable and there's nowhere to change. I didn't have an extra set of pants. So I sat down in the front row and I was like, I'm not going to get up until everybody's this, you know, and I'm going to turn around. I'm just going to preach because it's in the back and nobody could see it. Only it was like we were like new and we're just setting up and we had a baptism that Sunday uh, and uh, we were, the baptism was filling up and it was my job to turn the water off but I couldn't because my pants had been ripped and service already started and we had to stop service because I was I had to tell everybody like guys I can't stand up my pants are ripped you're gonna see you know uh, more than you want to see uh, today if I stand up and so you know, like water spilling out everywhere it was wild you know just crazy but we had a lot of fun times and that and that we had so many people come to faith in Jesus at the Mission Ave Elementary School and then God sent us to, to this space. And, and when we were building it out, you know, it was, it was, so, it was so exciting. You know, we were going to have a space of our own. And, and when the, the building was renovated, we got our new sign out in front. Man, I was just so excited. We, and we got a marquee out there. And, and, man, we have had so many great worship experiences here. And so many people have come to hear the good news about Jesus at, at New City Church. This pandemic year has been hard for me because I like being around people. I really do like being around people, and I like it when the room is full. And, and Not that I don't like you if you're online, but you know, I, I just like people, and I like being around people. But We had so many people come to faith in Jesus here and get baptized here in this space, and it's been just such a great, great story of God and how he's been moving and shaping and changing lives. And, and then this last two years, we've been a Be Good News initiative, just asking God for more. Like, keep doing it, Lord Jesus. Like, keep reaching people. Keep helping people to come to, to hear the good news and, and to respond and, and, to, and to say to the world, yep, I, you know, uh, you live for me. You died for me. I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to now die with you and be buried and rise with you and receive new life. And, man, I just want more and more and more of that. And that's where we're going. In two weeks' time, we'll be at October 3rd. We'll be at our new location at 4700 San Mateo. And, and, and it's, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. And I've just been thinking about all the ways in which God has been kind of moving in our church and and how he's been challenging us. And I took it really serious when we signed out, when we filled out our personal response cards just a few years ago. And now, like, like 18 months ago, I was just re- taking it really serious. Yeah, I'm going to submit to Jesus. I'm going to, you know, be good news for people in the city with our lives. That's not just everybody. I'm going to be very specific. And, and I'll, I'll let you know, I wrote down, I'm going to be good news for pastors in the city with my 
you know, gathering ability. And I just, I had, God's blessed me with the ability to gather pastors. And so I just want that to be the thing. And, and so I wrote that down. And, and, and <laughs> in a couple weeks, we have Managing Leadership Anxiety Conference. And I think we're going to have a couple hundred folks there. And it's going to be fantastic. I've already seen uh, dozens and dozens of churches around our city signed up to be a part of this deal. And we're going to serve the church in Albuquerque. And they're going to come and hear the gospel. And we're going to try to serve pastors and business leaders and leaders who have all different stripes in our city. And I just feel like that's what the Lord's asked us to do is to be that kind of church to serve that way you see when you choose to follow jesus I, I think this is just my story you get to see jesus at work in your story and i've been i've been just visiting it like when god said i want you to go plant a church in albuquerque new mexico and i've been look, looking past the last 11 years i can tell you i can see jesus at work just working like doing it and you might in your own job and industry you might in your own family you might in your own story. If you, if you, I, I can, I, well, let me just say it this way. I'm going to be really bold about this. If you commit, if you commit, whatever it is in your life right now, if you, that you, you, you know the Spirit's bringing it to your mind. If you commit that area, whether it be your family, your work, your parenting, your friends, or, I, mean, just, I don't know what other category you can think of. What, if you commit that to Jesus, seriously commit it to Him. And you live like Paul and Timothy as a servant of or a slave of Jesus. You will be able to look back on it and see the hand of God in it. Like you will. Because he's faithful. And he works. Like you will be able to see it. And one of the sad things to me sometimes is that people like just don't believe like right now in the moment that God, that God is not only present for, I mean, sometimes people like, well, well, like Christian people believe God can save them from their sins and save their soul for eternity. But for some reason, they just don't trust Jesus in the everyday stuff. And you're missing out. You're just missing out. You're missing out on joy. I can tell you because Jesus turned this sinner into a saint, I will gladly be his slave. That's what he's done for me. The church plant launch team of Philippi was an interesting church plant launch team. Uh, when, so he gets the message call, he goes to Philippi, he meets, uh, he goes actually to a place of prayer where women are praying, and he meets uh, Lydia, she's a wealthy Asian woman, she sells uh, purple cloth, and so he, she, uh, she comes to faith and gets baptized like, like that. Then uh, there's this fortune teller girl like following Paul and, and Silas around, and there's this like kind of, she's like annoying kind of, and the Apostle Paul casts the demon out, and, and what ends up happening is like the, her slave owners get angry. They have uh, Paul and Silas thrown into prison, and so they're thrown into prison, and as they're in prison, what are they doing? Rejoicing praying, singing, and at midnight, there's an earthquake, all the prison doors flop open, the shackles fall off their feet, and the prison guard takes out a sword to kill himself because he thinks everybody's escaped, and then Paul goes, hey, wait a second, then he goes, and then the, <laughs> then this, this jailer, the Philippian jailer says, come to my house, and this whole household receives the gospel and is baptized into Jesus. Here's the story of the Philippian jailer, then he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. And, and, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And, 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 he, and he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. 
It seems to me, as you read the story of the book of Acts, and as you read about church planting in the book of Acts, when the gospel is preached, that Jesus lived for you, he died for you, he was buried for you, he rose for you, and you can be saved from your sins, that people are baptized. It just happens. People are baptized. And I'd like to encourage you, man, if you've not ever been baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ and said to you know, the world, he died for me, he was buried for me, he has risen for me, and you said, like, the old life is gone, the new life has come, and so you die to the old self, buried away, and rise to the new life, like, I mean, we're, when, we, when we get into the new space, we're going to be announcing right, right, right away a grand opening weekend, and we're going to have the baptisms on the grand opening weekend. I just want to encourage you. If you, haven't made, if you haven't gone public with your relationship with Jesus, to do that, to make it known. You see, uh, what's interesting is the Church of Philippi had like this just really vibrant like love relationship with one another, and they had this really vibrant love relationship with their lead pastor, with their planting pastor. Paul says in, in Philippians 1.13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And the reason why it became known is because the Apostle Paul is right currently in prison for preaching the gospel. He's writing this letter from prison, but there wasn't like any kind of like meal plan in prison. So if you were going to eat, or you're going to eat because people brought you food and the church of Philippi had been providing for his needs. And he's like, man, everybody knows. Everybody knows, like your, 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 like, your generosity to me has made it known. And it's been said the happiest man in Rome was in prison. And that's commentator to commentator notes that, uh, based on the reading of the text. He says, at the end of Philippians, he says, even, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that, that, that increases to your credit. That's people receiving the good news of Jesus and being saved. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Paphrodite the gifts you sent, the fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And uh, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's like, hey, thank you for giving me everything you've given me. And, and it, by, by the way, God's going to bless you the way you've been blessing me. And I just believe that. And what you could say is like the entire letter of the of Philippians is a thank you letter. It's Apostle Paul going, hey, thank you guys for loving me so well and taking care of me and taking care of my needs and supplying for the ministry of the gospel and always making sure that the gospel could advance through my ministry. And one, what, what just shows up page after page after page in Philippians, is that Paul knows to ha how to have joy in any circumstance. But to me, it seems like this next part is true. Like Paul knows to have how to have joy in any circumstance because no matter what, the church was there for him. And this is, man, this is, this is like, this is hard news for individualistic sort of American Christians who want to come to church to consume. That's just not the church that Paul set up at Philippi. It was a group of people who felt called to one another, who felt responsible for one another's needs. He says in our, in our reading today, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, you all, making my prayer with joy. One commentator said, joy happens when you get the order right. Joy is loving Jesus, others, and yourself in that order. And when you get it right, what happens is joy is a byproduct. And he's like, man, th uh, this, is, this is the byproduct of this church. Man, people are loving Jesus. They're loving one another. And, and loving, loving Jesus and loving one another, man, joy is happening. You see, I think when you love Jesus and you love others, funding the mission is a logical next step. 
when you, when you come to a community of people and you're like, man, I love Jesus, and I've learned to love Jesus here, and I love Jesus, and you love one another here, and you're like, hey, what can we do together? Listen to what happens in the reading. He says, I thank my God and I remember of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. This is a, uh, the actual word here is fellowship. Because of your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The word fellowship actually has a technical meaning in, in the text. Like when you think about fellowship and I think about fellowship, it may be like a little, it might be filtered through like a Christian lens. Um, like when I was a kid, uh, you went to go fellowship, uh, you know, and I would invite, you know, if I were like, if I liked a girl, I'd invite her to fellowship. Uh, and uh, in fact, it was actually at a Christian fellowship that I met my wife, Vanessa. And it was at a Christian fellowship when somebody said, let's hold hands and pray. And it was at a Christian fellowship where uh, my wife interlocked fingers with me. She was my wife then, but she, interlock, she interlocked fingers with me. I just want you to get that right. She interlocked fingers with me as we were praying together. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how we do it in Christian circles. She's like, you let them know all right, when you're holding hands that I'm into you. And by interlocking the fingers, and that was how uh, we got kind of connected for the very first time uh, way back in high school. So, you know, I'm watching you eyes closed, let's hold hands, you know, folks, all right? Um, I'm, uh, my eyes are open every time. I'm, I'm, I'm watching you. Uh, but fellowship didn't have that meaning, didn't have the meaning that you and I may associate with today in the first century. In the first century, however, the word commonly had commercial overtones, D.A. Carson says. If John and Harry buy a boat and start a fishing business, they have entered into a fellowship, a partnership. Intriguingly, even in the New Testament, the word is often tied to financial matters. Thus, when the Macedonian Christians send money to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem, they are entering into a fellowship with them. The heart of true fellowship is self-sacrifice and conformity to a shared vision, Carson says. The heart of true fellowship is self-sacrifice and conformity to a shared vision. And that's what you have with the Church of Philippi. He says in verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, uh, no church entered into partnership or fellowship with me in giving and receiving except you alone. In other words, like you guys funded my mission. And I had a special relationship with you because you together were loving Jesus, loving one another, and loving me, and you funded the mission. You sent me as a missionary. And then Paul writes in, in Corinthians, he says, when I was with you and was in need... I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need, so I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. In other words, so Paul got sent to the church of Corinth, and who was funding the mission but the Macedonian churches, even out of their poverty, funding the church. So fellowship, what is it? It's, it's really sacrifice, sacrificially supporting the shared vision of the local church. That's what fellowship is, technically. And when we gather together uh, on September 29th for our, our night of prayer, and I hope you'll be there, because nothing significant for God ever happens separate from prayer. And as we get together and as we pray and as we honor God and we look to Him and as we enter into fellowship together, not only in terms of our, of our relational connection to one another, but as, our, as we pray together and as we put our resources together for the impact of the gospel, like God's going to do something. And you know what, what, I've been, what I've been struck with this week, man, is like I've been able to look back at 11 years of history and go, man, God's been at work. 
And it's caused me to look up and to look, like, what does the next 11 years look like? And how, how can we see God at work then? And, and it's just, like, who's God going to bring together to fellowship? Who's, who's God going to bring together in partnership and say, you know what? The mission of Jesus matters. It matters. It is the fellowship that Paul shares with the church in Philippi that gives him confidence in their faith. You see it in verse 6 of our reading. He says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Christ. Like, I can just see what God has done. I see what God is doing. He began it. He's going to finish it, and I trust it. God begins the work. God completes the work. I see that, Paul says. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. I hold you dear in my heart. I'm struggling with how to communicate this, and I don't want to be uh, too aggressive. I'll ask you the question, but I'm just going to tell you why, where it comes from. Who at New City do you hold in your heart? He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Now, it's been, this has been challenging for me coming out of the pandemic because, and it's specifically online, and so I'll encourage you to chat if you're online today. But, like, here's the, here's the thing, like, part of being the church is carrying one of those burdens. Part of being the church is being, being obligated to one another's story. Part of being a, a part of the church is saying, you know what, like, we are family together. And I know there's an American version of Christianity that you can go and participate in today, that you can sit in a chair and you can observe and you can be an attendance member and an audience, but that's just not the vision of the church presented in the Bible. It's not about just attending Christian events. It's belonging to a family that's on mission together. Like That's what it's about. And, and so it's like really hard for me because I get, ang- I, you know, I know this message about joy. It's like, man, he's getting angry. And I was like, oh, you know, I, it, I, I, this is one of those things that just gets under my skin a little bit. All right? Whose story are you bound to? Like, whose story are you bound to? Like, like there ought to be somebody whose success, like, you're connected to. Like, their story, like, you're invested in. Community groups are the place where your story is bound to the stories of others. And if you're not in community, you can sign up today. Be a part of a community group. Like, go to somebody's house, eat a meal together, pray together, talk about your faith together, share your burdens with one another, carry those burdens together. And it is, it is fantastic what God does in the context of Christian community. Because attending church services isn't all there is. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all, Paul says, with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is one of the Greek words I do really like. It's the word splachna. It's, I love you with the bowels of Jesus. Like, you know how Jesus feels in his gut towards you? That's how I feel towards you. I, I believe this, okay? You cannot fulfill God's calling in your life without living in Christian community. You just can't. Unless at some point in your life, you're like, man, in my bowels, I'm connected. Like, we're connected. But there's another you know, side benefit to this. Living in Christian community business. And this is Paul's prayer, and this is my prayer for you, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. 
Okay. His prayer isn't that you will have... <laughs> his prayer isn't that, you, that the audience will grow more and more, although that's part of expanding the kingdom. His prayer is that your love will abound more and more. With knowledge and all discernment. This is, this is really important. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Okay, so just imagine you're attending church, you're attending, you're, you know, you come to church, you attend church, or you, you listen online, or you listen to Christian podcasts, and, and you hear great Christian mus- you know, you know, messages, or, or maybe you, you read Christian books. But how do you apply that to your life? Like, how do you apply it to your life? The, the Christian vision for how you seek wisdom and discernment in life isn't you reading a Christian book, journaling by yourself, sitting in a room by yourself, and trying to put your best thoughts to it alone. It's just not the vision. He's like, oh, I want your love to bow more and more, and I want you guys to grow in your affection for one another so that you'll be able to discern what God wants for you to do. And when God spoke... To Paul and gave him the Macedonian vision, he shared that in the context of community, and it was affirmed in the context of community, and they went in the context of community. That's, that's how it happened. A Jesus-centered and others-loving community is a prerequisite to right thinking and right living Christianly. Like, you need that. So let me just underscore this, right? A follower of Jesus is someone who's submitting the need of Jesus Bowing the knee to Jesus, submitting the way to Jesus in every area of life with increasing measure, every area of life. How do you do that? We can't do it by just merely, merely, I mean, I'm not down on podcasts. Listen, you can't do it by just merely watching podcasts. You can't do it by just merely being an attendance member in a church setting. You have to be in community. And when you are in community, and you're sharing that love, and you're sharing in the gospel message, you're sharing in Jesus, and you're, you're sharing the gospel with people who are far from Jesus, and you're experiencing it in the context of your community group. And man, can you have, can you have just for a second a vision for somebody coming to faith in Jesus in your community group? Can you have just for a second somebody come to faith in the context of your work environment, or a family member coming to faith because of your witness in the context of Christian community? Can you just have for a second a vision for what that would look like? Because here's what it would look like. It looks like a tree overloaded with the fruit of righteous filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god he's like hey i want you to kind of imagine this tree just loaded down with fruit fruit of righteousness and it's so loaded down with fruit of righteousness it's like easy picking for everybody walking by that's the vision for the church people living in such profound beautiful loving community that even when they're suffering they're experiencing joy because people there are about jesus and about one another and about themselves last and they're looking for ways in which they can experience and joy and life together they're walking with jesus they're praying about their walk with jesus they're seeking wisdom and discernment about the walk with jesus they let the spirit shut doors and open doors and and their their experience of vibrancy of the life of faith man when that happens man there's fruit. There's fruit. Relentless joy is a product of the gospel. Even in suffering. It's part of the gospel, even in suffering. 
And if you're in pain, like your life is hard right now, you don't know what to do about work, you don't know what to do about your marriage, you don't know what to do about your kids, you don't know what to do about this relationship, let me just, I'm just going to be really plain, okay? Here's what you do. You submit it to Jesus. You get in Christian community and you talk about it and you pray about it. And you watch God work. That's what you do. Submit it to Jesus. Stop being arrogant and stop trying to do it on your own. Submit it to Jesus. You do that in prayer by giving Him lordship over it. Saying, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'll do the things even that, are, that violate what I want to do, but I'm going to obey you, lay myself down for others, but you've laid down yourself for me, and you submit it to Jesus, and then you take it to community, and you go, okay, guys, here's what's going on. I'm trying to have a hard time. My marriage is struggling. You know what your community group will do? They'll go, I don't know what to say. It's <laughs> hard. Can we pray about it with you? And they'll pray about it with you. And they'll ask the Lord for wisdom. Not to get too mystical with you, but if anybody lacks wisdom, God gives when we pray. People in your community group will be thinking about you when they're at work, and they'll be thinking about you when they're driving, and they'll call you, and they'll go, you know what? The Lord just said this to me about you. And And I think you need to hear it, and it'll be like, the thing. And it'll be like, yeah, that's what I need to hear. And, and it'll, be, it'll be transformative, and it'll move you, and it'll shape you, and you'll be like feeling j- joy, even the hardship, because you'll know that God's working. Like that's, that's how it happens. I was having a tough day the other day, and I shared it with some friends. And about a month later, my, my friend Brian Hunt sent me a text, and he goes, Nate, I w- God brought you to my mind today. Here's my prayer for you. And he wrote it out in a text. And it was like, you know, I was like, whoa! It's just exactly what I needed to be prayed for. Isn't God just terrific? Just so terrific. He pays attention. He knows what's going on in your life. You do not have to be alone. Father in heaven, I thank you for how you give us this relentless joy even in suffering. Mm. Man, I question your call all the time. Jesus, I do. But when I question it in the context of community, I always walk away just feeling so emboldened, so strong. And I just thank you for putting men and women in my life and who love you and who want to speak into my life and who care for me. Thank you so much for Christian community. And Lord, just to pray for that to come to life here at New City. The kind of Christian community that's just centered on your spirit, listening always, eager, eager to help. Man, there's some areas of my life I've still bending the knee to you in. And I just thank you for, for being worthy. Lord Jesus, be Lord of my finances, be Lord of my marriage, be Lord of my parenting. Those are the things 
be Lord of my job or my ministry. Just be Lord of it all. It's, it's yours. It belongs to you. I'm here to be your slave, to be your servant. Speak to me and help me know like what you want me to do. I'm here. Your servant's listening. Yeah. I pray that for our church. I pray for that attitude. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, you know, we do communion here in, in, in as open tables. And by communion, if you're like, what's that? Well, there's like these little cups, and in the cup is juice, and in the cup is, is bread. And what, what do you mean open table? Well, in some traditions, like there's a table that's fenced, and the table that's fenced is you have to kind of, you know, you can't just go up and take communion. And uh, here, communion is available for anybody who's a follower of Jesus. Anybody who says, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. It's for you. And, and you might just, you know, go to the Lord's table today, and when you, when you go, like, you just recognize how our King, how our Lord, like, <laughs> you know, like he, he became Lord with a crown of thorns, right? He became Lord with nails in his hands. He became Lord by bleeding from his side. I mean, he became Lord. And his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's how he became Lord for you and me. And when we believe in that. Like, that's the Lord we're, ta we're talking to. And so, you know, sometimes, like, when we talk about being a slave to Jesus, that can be, like, a little bit of a hurdle. But when you get to know who Jesus really is, you're like, man, I'm a slave all day long. Like you gave your, you gave up, you gave yourself up to me, you know, up for me. Like you, you, you sacrificed everything for me. And if there's an area of your life that you're having a hard time surrendering, I, I'd encourage you to take to the table today, and break the bread. Remember Christ's body broke. We take the cup. Remember His blood shed for you. And go. You know what? You're worthy, Lord Jesus. You're worthy, and you can be Lord over this. And you just tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it. And then you take that back to your community group and you go, I'm really wrestling with what to do and how I'm going to do something about this. And you talk about it and you pray about it and then you obey the Lord Jesus. He's your Lord. That's what you do. You obey Him. Follow Him. So we're going to have a few minutes of like sort of silent, you know, sort of meditation. If you want to uh, take communion, you can, you can take communion as the, you feel the Lord leads. If you um, want to pray, I'll be in the back and love to be able to pray with you. And if you want to enter into fellowship with New City Church and to give, you can give in the boxes in the back and give online. You can give in the app. Lots of ways to do that. Then we'll jump into a couple of songs and close our service out. So take a second and just talk to the Lord Jesus.